So, how does it feel when you play Roll Up to Win with Tim Hortons? Buy a hot or cold beverage using the Tim's app and find out. Roll in the app for a chance to win prizes ranging from free coffee and donuts to a Universal Orlando Resort vacation or a sweet car. Oh, don't forget the TV. And this year, every roll is a shot at a $1,000 daily giveaway drawing for two $500 prizes. Roll up to win and get treated by Tim's. No purchase necessary. Account registration required. 50 U.S. and D.C. 18 plus entered by 4223. See rules at rolluptowin.com for free entry of full details. Void in Florida and where prohibited. This week's episode is brought to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's P-O-D-G-O dot co. And if you choose to sign up, be sure to mention Great Unsolved in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. The Oracle Look deeper. Olivia and Ben were having a great start to the new year, until they got back to the yacht they were supposed to sleep at and found out all the bunks had been taken. Because of this, they got back on the water taxi and began to discuss where they would sleep for the night. At that point, an unknown man offered for them to stay on his yacht. And that was the last time they were ever seen alive. Welcome to or welcome back to the Great Unsolved Podcast. Today we are going to go over the case of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope, who disappeared well at a New Year's Eve party in 1997-1998. This week we have this episode, obviously, and next week there will be an episode as well, and then I am taking a break for the holidays because I will be home with family. So our next episode should be the 6th of January. That is after next week's episode, so I will be taking just about two weeks off. That being said, I will still be doing this week's and next week's Get Vocal. This week is on the case of JonBenet Ramsey, because that's a famous case I haven't discussed, and it happened on Christmas. And on the 17th, I am not quite sure what I'm doing yet. I was going to go into the theories of who actually wrote The Night Before Christmas because it's kind of unknown, but I don't know if I'm going to be doing that or not. We will see how it goes. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, everything in the description below because I will still be active on those during my two-week break. Now, without further ado, let's get into the case of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope. Ben Smart was 21 at the time of his disappearance, and Olivia Hope was 17. Their disappearances have been ruled murder. However, the bodies have never been found, and they could still technically be missing persons, since there are no bodies to the case. 
This case happened December 31st, 1997 into January 1st, 1998, and pretty far beyond that, but we'll get to that when we get to the timeline. They were both attending a New Year's party in Marlboro Sounds, New Zealand. I probably didn't pronounce that right, but we'll keep going. The timeline starts right about 3, 3.30 a.m. This is when they are at Ferno Lodge. They're there until 3 or 3.30 a.m. on January 1st of 1998. Around 4 a.m., there is a water taxi that they are on, and there's three other passengers and the driver. They go to the Tamarack yacht. Olivia arrived on this yacht. Ben and Olivia find out that all the beds are full. They were originally supposed to sleep on there because Olivia and her sister had chartered the yacht, but there was a bunch of freeloaders there who took their beds. So they get back on the water taxi and begin to discuss, like, what are we going to do? Where should we stay? Should we go back to the lodge? Just trying to figure it out. And a random unnamed passenger on the water taxi says they can stay on his yacht. So Wallace, the water taxi driver, lets Ben and Olivia and this unknown male passenger off at the man's supposed yacht. This was the last time that Ben and Olivia were confirmed to be seen. There's a lot of other supposed sightings, but police didn't really pay attention to them. We'll get into that more a little later. This boat was gone by 8.30 a.m., according to the reports of the boats around it. So then we move to January 2nd. Olivia's parents were concerned that she was not home yet and she had not contacted them yet. So they reported both Ben and Olivia missing. So the investigation, nicknamed Operation Tam, begins. Sometime after Operation Tam begins, Rob Pope takes over the investigation. And at this time, he says that Scott Watson was the man that both Olivia and Ben were last seen with. In 1998, Scott was arrested for the murders of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope. However, no bodies were found, and there were still hundreds of people that the police needed to interview in this case. Despite that, and much more evidence pointing away from Scott Watson, he was found guilty of murder after an 11 or 13 week trial. There's differing reports on if it was 11 weeks long or 13 weeks long. He got life in prison with the minimum before parole being 17 years. Scott was found guilty beyond reasonable doubt. That's what the court said. Prosecution had based their case on the absence of evidence proving Scott innocent, which kind of blew my mind because here in the US, we consider people innocent until proving guilty no matter how much speculation there is on the case. In the court of law, you are innocent until proven guilty. So here we don't really see cases where you have to be proven innocent. But that's exactly how Scott's court case went. So that's basically the short timeline of the case. If you look it up online, there's a lot of timelines going into the trial and going into everything else. 
But here we're going to jump into evidence that doesn't add up, the police messing up, and they're just being messy timelines. So upon researching this case, I found out that a lot of people who've looked into the case found that many of the timelines do not add up. This doesn't point to police being wrong or Scott being innocent, but it is something to note. If there are quite a few timelines that don't add up, then some of the evidence that convicted Scott may not be concrete, or some of the evidence that proves his innocent may not be concrete, if you're following where I'm going. In the beginning of Operation Tam, police did release a sketch of a two-masted catch based on the recollection of the driver and passengers on the water taxi that Ben, Olivia, and the strange man were on. The police at this point were asking people to come forward if they had seen it. Then, after having multiple people come forward seeing this exact boat that was shown in the sketch, police discarded the sketch and all the sightings. To me, this is not how an investigation goes. You should find the evidence and then make the decision on what info is good or bad, but it seems the exact opposite happened in the case of Scott. Witnesses were also told when calling in about the catch, don't worry, we've got our man. So just based off that right there, it kind of seems like police were stuck on Scott from the very beginning. Now if you look online, there's a website called NZ something, I can't remember it now, of course, but it's NZ something. If you Google the case, it'll pop up. And this shows that at one point there was supposedly a huge list of suspects that then got narrowed down to 10. But then somehow they just grabbed onto Scott and they disregarded any more witness statements, any more sightings of Olivia, Ben, or the boat. And that just screams police misconduct. I also found differing reports on if Scott was in this area at the time of the disappearance, but some reports said no one came forward who said they ever saw Scott's boat on the night the two went missing and never even saw Olivia or Ben or Scott on it. To make this statement even more intense is the fact that Scott had a one-mast sloot boat. This is far different from the boat that everyone has described as Olivia and Ben getting on. Rob Pope stated that more people described Scott's boat than the catch, but witnesses who said this, like, can't be found. I wasn't able to find any other testimony online, and they're not in the documentaries or the episodes going over this case. All catch reports are almost identical. It's a two-mast blue bottom or blue top and white bottom boat. Always stated that this catch was extremely unique. Just adding to the idea that people would not be able to mistake this for another boat. Other reports say that Scott's boat was in fact in the area the night the kids went missing, but it was tied to two other rafts or boats the night that they went missing. So if there was a struggle 
or a lot of moving, then the other boats would have been alerted quite easily. Either way, it seems like Olivia and Ben were not seen on Scott's boat at all that night or the next morning. And for me, that points away from Scott. However, I would like to know if people were able to verify what time Scott's boat left the next morning or if they saw Scott that New Year's Day in the area because we have the time the supposed boat of the kidnapper left. That was 8.30 a.m. But we don't really know much about the timeline of Scott and his boat. I would just like to know what his alibi was for that day and his timeline because I think that could clear up a lot of misconceptions in the case. When police produced the sketch of the catch that was verified by the witnesses on the water taxi, they also produced a sketch of the person that Olivia and Ben were last seen with. And this doesn't really look like Scott. The man described was with long, unkept hair and a long, unkept beard. Scott has really only been seen with short hair and no beard. I understand that maybe he looked like this when this kidnapping, murder, disappearance, whatever you want to call it, happened, and then maybe he changed up his look, but there's really no pictures or witness testimonies of Scott ever looking like this sketch. The man in the sketch was also supposedly seen pestering multiple young women the same night of the disappearance. He was apparently also involved in multiple fights and hitting a mystery girl quite hard. Despite this unknown catch boat being gone by 8.30 that morning, a woman says she saw the man in the sketch in the lodge New Year's Day with really mud-stained boots, but police were not interested in her testimony when she called them up. And we're gonna see that repeat itself multiple times when we talk about different sightings. So now let's get into the one piece of DNA evidence that we possibly have. There were two blonde hairs found on a blanket in Scott's boat. And to back this up, Olivia was blonde. It was found that one of the hairs was more likely to be Olivia's than any other New Zealand woman. However, this was 1998, 1999, and we don't know exactly how they figured this out, so I'm unsure if the findings are correct. In the episode I watched, it was kind of worded weird. It was a hundred thousand something ratio that this was Olivia's hair rather than any other New Zealand woman. And the fact that they stated any other New Zealand woman kind of threw me off as well, because it's hard to tell that from hair. It could have been a man's long blonde hair, could have been someone not from New Zealand, and this statement just didn't make sense to me. Apparently there was also some blood on the blanket that was tested, but I'm not sure what DNA evidence came out of that. Also found on his boat were many brown hairs, 
Ben had brown hair. But police apologized at one point, saying they didn't have the budget to do DNA analysis on them. However, later, around 2005-2006, Ben Pope stated that the police never said testing wasn't done on the brown hairs because it actually was. But these brown hairs were eliminated from being Ben's. So that kind of throws the whole DNA testimony into question because Rob Pope is obviously lying about what the police said and obviously these hairs are not Ben's so it just it's confusing to me this whole DNA thing doesn't make sense and the way it was worded in the programs I watched just made it all the more confusing up to a week after the night these kids disappeared there were sightings of both Olivia by someone that she knew fairly well from school and the boat. These witnesses were then told that no, they didn't actually see this and they didn't need to be interviewed by police. The girl who went to school with Olivia stated that she saw her with, I believe, three other people and Olivia was looking very frightened. And Olivia apparently recognized her and said, can you help me? But this girl was frightened herself and she had been drinking and she just couldn't process that or help at that point. So it's unknown if this really was Olivia. Another sighting included both Ben and Olivia. A couple was on a boat and they saw five people on another boat about the same size, so it was small, on January 5th of 1998. There were two people on the back of the boat, one woman who was blonde with long hair, and one man. It seemed that they had their hands tied behind their back because the couple could not see really anything past their elbow. Their hands were behind their back. And both of these people looked very solemn face or frightened or a mixture of these two things. For a little while, the couple lost sight of the boat, but 45 minutes later, they saw the same boat come back without two people on the back. There was only three people in the boat now. This boat was coming out of an uninhabited bay with you know, wild plants and no one living there. It was just nature. This made the couple very nervous because it was around 4 p.m., it was gloomy, and there were pretty rough waters. So they were unsure why these two individuals would have gotten off in this bay and what they were doing or where they were going. The same day, the couple called the police about the catch matching the police sketch in the same area. So it's not crazy to think that these people parked their larger boat and brought Olivia and Ben on a smaller boat and disposed of them in the uninhabited bay. However, all the witnesses who saw Olivia or Ben say police were not interested in their info. Police just blatantly ignored possible evidence that could have led to this case being resolved. Now, there were many sightings of the catch as well, 
there was a couple on vacation and they actually got a video of the supposed catch. When they were on vacation, they didn't know about the sketch or about the missing people. They were just sitting there playing with a camera and they saw the boat and they said, oh, that's a unique boat. Let's get a video of it. So they took a video and when they got back, they saw the news about Olivia and Ben. So they brought the video to police. However, police were uninterested in the video and it was taped over. So the only real evidence verifying that this boat ever existed was taped over because police did not care enough to do anything with it. There was a woman who also spotted the same catch called police and then was told that there were thousands of boats like that. However, she said, no, this boat was unique. It was absolutely unique. And multiple other people in their statements had said this as well. But police did not really care, obviously. Now, a few things came out during the trial. One thing is that two sources said on the night Olivia and Ben went missing, they heard screaming and a male shouting and swearing. This was between 4 a.m. and 5 a.m. These sources were from people on yachts in Endeavor Inlet. Now, I couldn't find exactly where Olivia and Ben were dropped off, if it was in Endeavor Inlet, or if Scott's boat was in there, or any of that information. And I think that would help a lot, because right now, without that information, I don't know if this is just information that doesn't line up with where the boats were or where Olivia and Ben were last seen, but I thought it was worth mentioning. However, the police say they found the sources and counted this out, but it is still on many different pieces of information, and the police have seemed quite unreliable in this case up till now, so I don't feel perfectly okay trusting them when they say they counted out these screams. And many witnesses like these were never really interviewed or followed up with. Many witnesses in general in this case stated that the police did not call them back until six weeks later, which in a missing persons case or a murder case or any case, stuff like this needs to be followed up immediately in order to try and solve the case quickly because the more time that goes on, the less likely the case is to be solved. Also in court, the ex-cellmate of Scott testified, saying he asked Scott, quote, are those people haunting you, end quote, Scott supposedly replied, yeah, mate, which is interesting, but it could mean a number of different things. Asking, are those people haunting you, doesn't relate to the case. It doesn't relate to anything concretely. It's kind of just random question that could mean a million different things to a million different people. After the whole trial, Wallace, the water taxi driver, stated that he felt very pressured and felt as if he was being looked at 
as a big suspect in interviews, despite this being impossible based on other witness testimony. I don't mean that him being looked at as a suspect is impossible. I mean that there's no way he was the person who did anything to Ben and Olivia because he was still doing the water taxi and he has alibis and witness testimony places Olivia and Ben with another unknown man. On top of that, Wallace cooperated to the fullest extent. Even when he felt pressured, he kept cooperating because he wanted this case to be solved. An anonymous letter that was discounted by police was found after the entire trial. This letter talked about a white man who lived with a chick and former black power member who was known to use knives and sell drugs off a yacht. And they got rid of the yacht shortly after the disappearance. When looking this letter up, Pope was quoted as saying, the letter was not a hoax, but it was not relevant, which doesn't make sense to me. Was it relevant in another case, or did they find these people, or what was going on? I don't know how you can say it's not a hoax, but it's also not relevant to the case, if it was referencing that specific case. Anyways, without going too in-depth in the case, this is about all I have besides the theories. This case has so much information, it's just crazy. It has so much information, but so much of it seems wrong. Like Pope saying the letter was not a hoax, but it wasn't relevant, and the police discrediting anyone who came forward with a sighting of Olivia or the boat. It just, a lot of the stuff was worded weird, and I'm not even saying that because of the cultural barrier between the US and New Zealand and our different slang words. I'm saying that in a sense that what they're saying doesn't add up. The police are not making sense. So let's get into the theories. One theory that I've seen in a few places that is just speculation is that Scott committed an unrelated rape, but police could not convict him of that, so they convicted him of this. This seems like a big jump, unless Scott was continually harassing the police force or continually getting away with crimes. Then I could see the police having a larger motive to go after Scott. But if he just committed one crime, and I know a rape isn't just, I shouldn't say like just one crime, because that's not how I think of it, but jumping from that to a double murder is a lot. And it just, it seems like someone in the police force would have said something by now. So the other theory is that their disappearance was related to drug syndicates. Drug syndicates in the area like to use catch boats and apparently there was quite a few around the time and place of Ben Smart and Olivia Hope's disappearance. This also goes along with the letter that was sent in. 
which would verify that it, it was not a hoax, like Rob Pope said. If this was drug-related, the person who let them onto the yacht could have been meaning to be nice to them. But then maybe Olivia or Ben discovered something on the boat, and to hide it, this guy or a group of people got rid of Olivia and Ben. And obviously, that could be closely related to a drug syndicate. So that is all I've got in the case of Olivia Hope and Ben Smart's disappearances. For me, I don't know if I would be so quick to call this murder because we don't have the bodies. Also, because there was a good amount of sightings up until a few weeks after these kids disappeared and the police were somewhat relying on the fact that this person killed Olivia and Ben on the boat and disposed of them in the sea over there. But if there were sightings of them, then they were obviously not disposed of or killed that night. So it's just kind of confusing. I think that by now, it's most likely they are not alive because it has been over 20 years, and sadly that normally means people were killed. No matter what happened, I also don't think we are ever going to get the truth, because through the police, it's just impossible now. They disregarded so many statements, so many witnesses, that it'd be impossible to get them all back now and form a new opinion on the case whether that convicted Scott again or not, it's just impossible to backtrack because they have already formed their opinion. A lot of people believe Rob Pope never should have been on this case or should have been pulled off at the first time he disregarded someone's testimony, and I agree with that. I think if these testimonies were taken into account, bodies might have been found, Ben and Olivia might have been found alive, and the case just would have been solved in general, and there would have been more closure to the family. Either way, we're not going to get that information now. So next week, we will have um, another episode, and I will be on Get Vocal tomorrow night with the JonBenet Ramsey murder, with mostly theories, because those are the ones that interest me the most. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Great Unsolved. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Great Unsolved Pod. There is a Facebook group, a Facebook page. We have Patreon. We got a few other things too. Everything is going to be in the description box below. So if you want to follow us on any of those social medias, then just scroll down. Stay safe and have a great day.